Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome to HR Work Break. I'm your host, Maddie Collins, editor of HR Daily Advisor. HR Work Break takes a quick but close look at everything human resources. For any HR professional, it's a must listen. I hope you learned something new, take some advice to heart, or simply stay abreast today's trending topics. Now, it's time for a work break. Happy Friday, everyone. Today, I'm joined by Sonia Lucina, PhD, President of Question Pro Workforce. Sonia is also the host of the podcast, Empowering Workplaces. Question Pro is an online survey software provider that uses innovative technology to help its users generate the insights they need to make better business decisions. Sonia, thank you for joining me today. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, Maddie. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. I'm really excited to talk to you today because Question Pro, in partnership with EQ Community, conducted a research study across hundreds of organizations to better understand DEI efforts in the U.S., which is such an important pertinent issue in like today's day and age. And when I was reviewing the study, one of the statistics that stood out to me was that 37% of overall workers would switch jobs to be part of a more inclusive culture. So the first thing I kind of wanted to talk to you about was if you had any advice for employers trying to either start new DEI initiatives or make existing ones more effective to help with retention rates. Absolutely. And, and thank you for sharing that statistic, because to me, part of the reason why it was so eye-opening is that actually uh, Marcus, the CEO and founder of eCommunity, he and I had joined a webinar that was all focused on talent acquisition with talent acquisition experts. And he had asked them, you know, what is one of your key challenges? And they said retention. And I thought, well, wait a minute, this is a talent acquisition webinar. <laughs> like, how could it be retention? But what was happening is they were spending so much time and effort getting people in the organization, but it was hard for people to stay. And so they're like, well, wait a minute, like we're not creating this revolving door. We really want people to come in and be happy. And so I think a big part of what organizations can do is really one, understand what's going on in the market, which is what we try to do with this study, right? Is go out there and ask people, how are you doing today? How do you enjoy working with others? Are you satisfied with how your manager communicates the efforts? Are you satisfied with what your organization does? But then for each organization to have that individual conversation with their people, because the thing is, every one of the organizations has different values. They make a different promise to their employees and they need to live up to that promise, right? So I might join an organization because it is incredibly inclusive and that's what I expect. And are they living up to that promise? Or I might go to an organization and say, well, you know, I'm a woman. It seems like I'm surrounded with a bunch of men. It might be a little tough, but, you know, I'm just going to put my head down and maybe this is not a priority for me today. So what is that promise that organization is making? But then also what people are looking for is changing. So everything that we could see today in the society and probably pre-pandemic, people are looking for a lot more balance in their life. People are looking to bring much more of their whole selves to work meaning that I want to be able to talk about what's on my mind. I want to be able to talk about what's at home, where before maybe that just felt like it wasn't really acceptable. So I kept that to myself, but now I want those norms. And very much with DEIB efforts is asking individuals, maybe how are you doing? How are you feeling with your career progression today? Do you feel like you have champions inside the organization? Do you feel like you're happy with how many people inside the organization you know? Do you need help connecting with others? Those are all individual things. And again, I think that there are trends that are changing. So if organizations don't ask their people who are unique, 
they're going to run the risk of thinking about, well, you know, we did this survey or did this study inside the organization two years ago, and we're still thinking, no, 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 the world is completely different. Yeah. You have to ask people about it. And also asking for ideas, I think is the most incredible thing, because a lot of times we look to, you know, top leadership, we look to HR, we look to diversity groups and say, okay, what do you think? How would you do this? But oftentimes you have dozens, hundreds, thousands of people inside your organization that probably many of them have these brilliant ideas that you haven't thought of. So just even opening up the platform and saying, this is what we stand for. This is what we really want to do. And we want each one of you to be a part of it. What could we do differently? What does an organization that's inclusive look like for you to wake up and be excited to come and then be excited to share stories, you know, around with your friends, around the dinner table at home, et cetera. To me, it's so much about the dialogue and it's so much about understanding that as any single decision makers or any single department, the first thing we need to realize is we don't have all the answers. So ask. Right. And people will be excited because they want to share, especially people who it's important to. They'll be so happy that somebody is asking them. Yeah. And when you were talking earlier about just like being genuine and asking people how they're doing, that kind of building a culture of psychological safety lends a lot of strength to the ability to ask them, like, what are we doing wrong? What can we do better? Like, how would you be happier here? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So kind of speaking about getting to know your people, a lot of the ability to do that lies in the leadership. Do you have advice for leaders how to, like I said, get into that culture of psychological safety or just make it a facet of the company that you genuinely care about your people? I've been in the workforce for a little bit over 20 years, but I went and got my PhD right after undergrad. So I was a very young person with a doctorate. And I remember going into meetings in turtlenecks and suits because I wanted to look older. You know how funny, like I think about that now and I'm like, oh goodness. But I don't know if it was like the time, like the year, maybe my lack of experience, but there was nothing about the organization maybe at the time that made me feel like I couldn't be myself, but it was just my feeling of what's the persona and the image that I want to put out there. So fast forward 20 some years. And one of the first things that I do with my teams is I'm very open about myself. I will celebrate when something good happens with my life. I'll tell them about that. And you know what? I'll tell them about the tough things and when I'm really sad and when something's really hard. And I will share that because I want to have that connection with them. I want them to see me as human, not somebody that's in a leadership position. And it's, you know, especially oh, a woman who's a mom and has it all. No, I don't. <laughs> no one ever has it all together. <laughs> no, no. The more I think often somebody says, like, how do you do everything? I'm like, oh, I need to tell you more of what I don't do that, <laughs> don't I? Because clearly I'm not sharing that enough. But it's also creating that space that for my teams and my colleagues, that whenever they have something to share, they know 100% that they can talk with me about it. When they don't want to talk about it, they don't have to talk about it. But anytime they need that space, I want them to have heard me say it enough times about myself that they feel like Sonia would never judge me about this, but she welcomes this because she likes that human connection. So that's one is setting an example. And the second one that I actually just learned from a new friend who's also a psychologist is she said, ask people particular questions. Like don't start a meeting and just say, ah, oh, how are you? Because for so many of us, it's so routine to say, oh, I'm good. How are you? <laughs> you know? And then you go on to the next question, but say like, ah, oh, Maddie, you had mentioned to me that, you know, X happened. How did that go? Yeah. Or you had mentioned to me, you know, something about your pet or you had a family reunion or whatever. 
And you know what? At that point, if you don't want to talk about it, oh, no, it's fine. Okay, you go, ah, oh, Sonia, I'm so glad that you asked. Actually, this happened. Or I'm, oh, I'm so glad you asked. Everything's good. But it provides that one particular situation that allows the person not to feel like, oh, do I want to bring this up? Do I not want to bring this up? Is this the right place? Where it already creates that space for it. And again, it leaves it to you how much or how little you want to share. But it also shows the leaders listen and they remember. And I think those things, leading by example, and then asking particular questions so the person know it's really a safe place to open up and that you care are some things I think that hopefully would be relatively easily for people to practice and get started on building that more like authentic, bring your full self to work environment. Yeah. My boss, Josh, does a lot of that. Like he asks specific questions. He reminds us like, if you're stressed out, like we can help you out with projects if you need a hand kind of a thing. And I haven't been in the workforce all that long, but just the night and day from other bosses I've had, you're right. It does make a difference to know you have that support and that listening ear. Oh, I'm so glad that you have that because, yeah, I think there's still a huge opportunity for leaders to learn how to do that better. So I'm glad that even if you're early in your career, like what an amazing way to start. It makes a huge difference in how you show up for others, too, because I think when somebody sets a really good example for you. It has that ripple effect because you see like, wow, like he makes me feel really good. I want to do that in my interactions with others, whether you're leading them or whether you're peer, it doesn't matter. It's an example that you've enjoyed and you want to set for others too. You're totally right. My sister has a mentor in her company too that has been like a really great influence on her. Hearing how the two of them get along, I'm like, she has Avery's back. Oh, like I can rely on my superiors kind of the same way. You're really right in how that's a really nice positive cycle to get into. So kind of getting back onto the diversity, equity, and inclusion conversation, while HR can initiate a DEI initiative and goals, how would you recommend that they ensure that that's a priority at every level of management? It isn't just a statement from the C-suite, it goes all the way down to the newest person on the team. I think that that's why it's so important to get different people involved to understand. I love the why behind things. So explaining to people in different ways, this is why this is important, right? It's not just lip service. It's not just because, you know, somebody said that this should be important. This is how it impacts every person inside the organization. This is how it impacts your career. This is how it impacts your well-being, et cetera. And I think when you communicate it that way, it brings a lot more life and emotion to it. I think also creating urgency around it. This is why I love survey data. Because you get this, you know, big volume of information that resonates when you tell that story, it resonates with every single person. And for some of the decision makers who are very numbers driven, it resonates with them too. Not to say that emotion doesn't, but I also understand businesses are businesses and you can't, you know, just because you're emotional about different things, like you can't always put money behind it. And especially I think now when for a lot of organizations, budgets are tight, showing that, hey, this is how many people, for example, are looking to leave an organization. We highlighted that data because I've not met a single leader who really doesn't care about retaining their best people. Yeah. It's imagine like that best person on your team, what would you do if they were gone? You're like, oh no, <laughs> I don't want that. It wasn't a part of this research study, but another one that we did recently is we actually asked workers across the U.S. as well if an organization had an initiative that you felt passionate about and you felt like would improve your well-being for the better, how likely would you want to help? And 66% of people said absolutely 100%. And so that's the one thing around the communication is I think for organizations to even think one step ahead and say it's not just about 
sharing information for why we're doing this or how it's important or who's leading it, but actually getting as many people as you can involved because one, people will be really happy about it. They'll feel a greater sense of belonging because they care. Two, you'll get a lot more done. I mean, think about when you have a small team that's working on a huge initiative, you're really bound by the time that they're going to put in. But if you start to get a lot more people organized around different initiatives, that's how much greater of an output you can have. And you'll learn a lot more, right? Because a lot of times what happens too is depending on where we are in the organization, whether it's our location, whether it's the type of job that we do, how long we've been there, our age, you tend to experience things differently. Again, why I think surveys are so important because I do think different people in different levels of the organization can experience the culture differently. And a lot of times the individuals that tend to have more power to make decisions that have been around for longer, maybe have higher titles, are not always as in tuned as they would maybe even like to be with the day-to-day of all employees. So if you have the employees involved in the different initiatives, it's really making sure that as you're running it through your organization, you're doing it right for everybody or as many people as possible, at least. Yeah. Data is important because if you don't know what your organization currently wants and needs, you're not going to have an effective strategy in that way. Yeah. Speaking of strategies and the study as a whole, were there any statistics that stood out to you as like an important jumping off point for leaders in the diversity, equity, inclusion space? You know, I think one that stood out very positively was how many people enjoyed working with others. I have the report next to me. I think it was something like 88%. And to me, that's incredible because a lot of times we think about, oh, you know, it's sometimes hard to have conversations with people that maybe have different opinions than ours, that have different backgrounds, that will approach things differently. But overwhelmingly, people said how much they really enjoy that. Now they were looking for more of it inside their organization. So I think to me, it gave this great like glimmer, sounds like really like a great like fire of hope to say when you do these initiatives and you do them right, they're going to have a hugely positive impact on your organization and the society. So I love that the positivity around the people are going to really welcome it, that by and far people have had really positive experiences working with people of different backgrounds. They've learned a lot. So you have that positive momentum, but then you have that part of the story. It's not a nice to do because if you don't do it, 37% of your people, and maybe more inside your organization, but overall 37% of people are saying they're going to leave your organization. Now, imagine if those were your best people. So again, there's like an ethical reason to do it, a moral reason to improve diversity and inclusion, but there is a huge business reason too. So I love those different aspects of the data. I love starting the story with something to celebrate and something big and then creating the urgency around now. (laughs) If we don't do this effectively, you know, there's this great thing to be an optimist about, but you have to do it. You have to do it well, or there are going to be repercussions and consequences. Definitely. And I think that's one of the most interesting things about DEI today, because like morally, ethically, like you said, that it's a must have. At the end of the day, like, yeah, this is the ideal situation that we have everybody from all these different backgrounds working together. But having that financial understanding so that when we're in a tough economic time, it's like, yeah, this isn't something we can skirt on. This is something essential to our potential and our future. Yeah. And I do think that in some cases, it can still be perceived as a nice to do than a must do. And that's what I'm, I'm hoping that this data shines the light that I understand I've been business a long time. I've led teams. I've had P&Ls. I get it. 
However, it is not something that's a nice to have anymore because, again, from an ethical, moral reason, it never really should have been. But if you have to make trade-offs, I understand maybe at some point why they were, but like we can't do that anymore because ethically, morally, we have to do it. And now I think from a business standpoint too, we have to understand that it will hurt us. It's not something that, ah, oh, well, let us just get through this wave of the different things we have to deal with as an organization and then we'll pay attention to it. No, 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 no. Because if you don't pay attention to it, all the challenges that you have to do or you have to deal with today will certainly get worse. So please don't look at this as a secondary issue. It should be the primary one, like as anything else that organizations are looking at tackling today. Exactly. Like there's a reason people compare companies to like cogs and gears and like moving parts all working together. If you take any one part of that aspect out, it's not going to function as efficiently, if at all. Yes. <laughs> yeah. With the importance of focusing on DEI. Do you have any advice or best practices for HR leaders trying to make it more of a pertinent issue or just improve what they have? I think that it has to be really taken seriously by every part of the organization. So again, like it cannot be an HR project. It's not something that, oh, HR, you know, ran their annual employee engagement survey and we found that we can do better at this. So we're going to take this team or we're going to, no, 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 like... (laughs) That should have been left like 90s, early 2000s. It's got to be more dynamic than that. And then I think in some ways too, to really one, provide direct managers with the tools of how do you effectively talk to your employees about this? And it's not just about diversity, equity, and inclusion per se, but it's to think about what causes some of the gaps. So you're making sure that all of your employees understand about development opportunities. Do you know how they want to grow their career? And are you helping them navigate the organization through that? For those who want mentors, do they have mentors? So really having that one-on-one understanding. And I think what's also important for organizations to do is, you know, more often than not, you get your performance goals and maybe you measure them once a quarter, once a year to really make this a part of somebody's goal and a way for managers to report that back. So what did you learn? What conversations did you have? What's going on with your team for two reasons. One is because it'll make sure that it gets it done because much like you might have your sales goal or a different kind of financial or product development goal that you have to report on. If this is something that is expected to be reported on, you're not going to think, I just had my one-on-one and you know what, Maddie, I'm sorry, like we didn't get to this. We'll talk about it next week. Ah, Maddie, how are you doing this project? Ah, we're not going to get to this again. No, 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 no. Because you have to tell somebody about it. Like you actually have to report on it. And so it becomes more of a habit. And two, I think another survey that we did recently was around asking people about exit interviews and exit surveys. And we wanted to understand, we asked, do you feel like your organization knows why you left? And like three quarters of the people said yes. I'm like, well, wait, we're in a survey business. I know not that many organizations are doing exit interviews. Where is this information going? Because the challenge is, If you're my leader and I'm leaving and I tell you why I'm leaving, well, what do you do with that information? You're probably like, ah, bummer, Sonia's leaving. Okay, well, let me think through it. Maybe I'll talk with the team. But it's not like you call up HR and like, hey, HR, I have a data point for you. Can you store it somewhere? (laughs) Like this is, you know, in my casual conversation with Sonia, this is why she said she's leaving. And so for organizations to really have a systematic way to understand at a whole, what can we do as larger initiatives? So it's not just about organizational initiatives only. But a lot of times when you have this, again, greater body of data, you can start to say, "Ah, okay, I'm seeing that this is not just Sonia in product development issue, but that this is actually a larger organizational issue. And we really need to put some effort behind this because it's going to start hurting us as a company overall. 
it's again, that training for leaders and managers to have effective one-on-one conversations, holding them accountable to have it, but then having the surveys, having different ways of data collection to understand organization-wide. One, when you need to understand what's going on company-wide, and then when you need to make a case for a wider initiative to have clear data to say, this is why this is so important to do today. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because being able to pinpoint like, oh, we're losing people because we're not prioritizing diversity, equity, inclusion, or we're losing people because we're not offering enough learning and development opportunities. It makes it that much easier to retain the next group of people you have or the current people you have. You know, and it's interesting because I think diversity, equity, and inclusion shows up in everything. So it's a lot of times how you look at the data, right? So you can ask about learning and development and say, how satisfied are you with this? How satisfied are you in the organization level? Do you feel like your manager is developing you? And then you look at the data and you look at the difference. So you never even have to mention the word diversity in the actual survey, but you look at the difference between men and women, you look at the difference between different age groups, different races, different departments, and you start to say, ah, hold on. It seems like there's some systematic differences here. We need to take a step back and see what we're looking at. I do think that that's even for some organizations that are maybe saying, ah, we didn't do a DEI survey. What do we do? Well, even with all the data that you have, if you never called it that, but you look at it in different ways, I bet you there's going to be some patterns and some things in that story that are very telling. Even if you never use those words, you might be able to see some differences in your organization. That's really good advice. And I have one final question for you, unless you have anything you'd like to add. I'll let you go with your final question because (laughs) this is something that's, (laughs) this is a topic that's so near and dear to my heart. And I'm just so grateful for this time. So Instead of me adding, you go ahead and ask. (laughs) It's okay. I can tell how passionate you are about this. And I wish I had like more time (laughs) to talk to you more about it. But my final question isn't actually about anything professional at all, really. Since the podcast airs on Fridays, my favorite way to close out is to ask you, what are you looking forward to this weekend? Oh, and you know, I love that question. I love it now so much because I live in a city. I actually live, I don't know if you know, I live in Buenos Aires, Argentina. (laughs) I've lived in cities my entire life. I just absolutely love it. Now, we just finished building a weekend house. And it's something like it was one of those things that I never knew how much I needed. And we just finished it a month ago. And it's summer here right now. And it's really, really hot, which I love. But you know, heat is sometimes not as easy in the cities. And we've been going there and my family's visiting. I'm actually originally from Serbia. So my parents are visiting from there. And we've had these beautiful weekends in the house where there's trees and birds chirping and life just slows down. Everything that probably every psychology book is talking about or has been talking about, you know, taking that time, enjoying the moment. I've been trying to do that for years. And I feel like that house gives me the moment and the peace and the mindset to be able to do that. And it's just been beautiful. Like after the last two years of chaos, after everything that's going on in the world today and all the news and everything, to be able to sit there on the weekends, oh, it's just life changing. So that's what I'm looking forward to. It's just sitting in my comfy clothes, looking at the trees, like hugging my kid and my husband and my parents and just oh, taking the quiet moment in. Oh, I'm so jealous of that. That sounds so nice. I've been uh, doing it on like a micro scale. I live near like a lot of trails. I'll just go for like a long walk there just to kind of get that fresh air and that bird song like you were talking about. I love it. It's good for the soul. I'm so glad you're doing it. Keep doing it. It really is. (laughs) Sonia, thank you so much for joining me today. It really was a pleasure to have this conversation with you. 
Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. It's just such an important topic and I appreciate the time to discuss it. I appreciate the highlight and it was just really, really lovely to meet you. So thank you for this opportunity on so many levels. Yeah, it was lovely to meet you too. And thank you for making time to talk with me today. Again, I'm Maddie Collins and thank you for listening. Join us next Friday or whenever you need a work break.